0: I look forward to meeting you and to serving you well. I would love to play a part in decreasing your pain and increasing your happiness. See you soon. Nowadays, it's unlikely you're going to go to bed physically hungry. But there's a pretty good chance you might go to bed emotionally hungry. You might not be getting your emotional needs met you might not be getting your psychological needs met. And the American psychology world will start to challenge the validity of God if he's letting your needs not be met. And they're very quick to say that you have an inadequate spouse if you have to go to bed without your needs being met. One more step into pioneer history Was it possible for a man to work with all of his heart, might, mind, and strength all day long to gather resources for the family, and the woman to work all day long with all of her heart, might, mind, and strength, and they bring all of their resources together and they both still go to sleep hungry? Okay. So this is, can you see why I'm really slow and hesitant to put this principle on the table? Because I'm contradicting what a lot of the books say about this. They imply that you shouldn't have to go to bed hungry when you have a husband. You shouldn't have to starve sometimes if you're loyal to God and you're a good wife. But as far as I can tell on this planet, Even if a man works with all of his heart, mind, and strength, and even if a woman works with all of her heart, mind, and strength, that doesn't guarantee that your needs are going to be met. And there's a chance you're going to go to bed emotionally hungry sometimes and psychologically hungry sometimes. Okay? Now, here's where it gets even harder. Imagine sitting there next to someone, and while they're out-gathering resources, theoretically. It's your brain has lots of open space for Satan to say, is he really sharpening his bow the way he needs to? Is he really chasing buffaloes as fast as he should be? Is he really chopping wood the way he's supposed to be? Torment. Okay. And so now that we've exercised the emotional discord in your brain with that one that now justifies that you don't have to consecrate yourself to something if we can have evidence that he's not he's not i want to dial that back just a little bit to avoid another satanic attack remember consecration does not mean giving until you're dead i won't point out anyone whose first name starts with an a who might give to the point of death? Okay. When you drive your wagon to the bishop's storehouse, he doesn't say, and now put your head on the chopping block to go along with all the food in your wagon. Okay. It is not meet that you run faster than you have strength. We need you to have the energy to go back and work on your fields for the next week. Okay. It's the Bishop's Storehouse of Resources is not a place where you show up there and everyone brings their needs list and you have to stay there and produce until everyone's needs are met because that's your job. No, it is not your job. See, you you can even hear that one in the books. You're a mother. It's your job to meet everyone's needs until you die. Okay? No. Okay? But you've been given a lot of pressure. The law of consecration does not mean you give until everyone else's needs are met. That is not the law of consecration. The law of consecration, if you got a four by four foot piece of land and you grew the best 10 carrots you could grow in that little piece of dirt and you brought all 10 carrots to the bishop's storehouse and you consecrated them to the Bishop's storehouse, then you fulfilled your job, okay? No one says you have to stand there and listen to everyone else say, I needed potatoes too, and I wanted hamburgers. Don't, can't we have tacos for dinner tonight, and all you brought is carrots? I have needs, I have needs, I have needs, and your identity is to meet my needs. This is a very delicate topic. Because you basically have to hug people and hit them over the head with a frying pan simultaneously. And it's not an easy skill. I am sad that we live in a lonely, dreary world. Those who've been to the temple before the most recent changes when they had the live video. When they showed that scene where Eve is deciding whether or not to partake of the fruit. That actress was beautiful in her demonstration of contemplation you could see in her face and her body language her eyes she's all you do know what's going to happen if you partake of this fruit right you're going to initiate thousands of years of a lone and dreary world where people's needs are not going to be met Why would she be hesitant (laughs) to do that? So I'm sad when people portray that as Eve just had no clue what she was doing. And she was just dumb. And she got tricked. Okay. Last time I checked, she did some serious contemplation. And so you are one of the seed who finds themselves in this lone and dreary world. And so using the diagram of the Christ cycle, you give, you get exhausted, you get burned out, you get tired, you retreat, you do the mathematical calculations of, I can't do this, I can't do this, I don't want to do this, this is not fun, I don't like it. okay. But remember, when you review your identity and your purpose, Your identity is that you are not the savior of other people. You are not responsible to meet everyone's needs. I've even heard some women say, that's just what it means to be a mom. That's just what it means to be a wife. I'm all, who gave you that definition? I challenge you. Listen to all conference talks since 1970 and nowhere will you find the phrase, ladies, it is your job to meet all the needs of everyone within your stewardship. You will not find it anywhere. Okay? And you will hear, do not run faster than you have strength. You will hear that one. Okay? Is that sufficient? Is that a good start? <laughs> it's a good start? <laughs> How do you define good? Now... Let's talk about the psychology of being like Jesus, not just the behavior, okay? The psychology of trying to be like Jesus, right? Now, I want you to pretend you're in a setting where you're striving to be like him, and you come out of a good week or two of preparation with your Sermon on the Mount, and you have this beautiful. You've been reviewing your identity. You've been reviewing your purpose. You have packed your wagon with these lovely gifts for everyone when you go into town, you're going to be giving them that are just your style. And you share them. If you're a person who bakes cakes, you share them. If you're a person who sews quilts, you share them. If you build ice sculptures, okay, whatever your thing is, all right? And then you give it with all your heart, might, mind, and strength, and then people respond to you the way they responded to Jesus. And a third of them go, that's all you got? That's it. You're that's you're just going to say a bunch of stuff and walk away? I heard that for the neighbors you did the whole loaves and fishes thing, and I came here to see one of those and that's it. That's all you're giving me, okay? So you get this big old pile of disappointment from people. Next group of one-third of the people. I'm pretty sure she's crazy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's crazy, okay? I think she's, like, really crazy. In fact, I think she's going to cause problems. We should probably start throwing rocks at her right now. That's probably what we should do, okay? Okay. Or lock her up, just put some handcuffs on her, lock her up. We cannot have this woman influencing society because she's crazy, All right? And then maybe one out of 20 come up to you afterwards and say, I was so inspired by what you gave us today. And you're going, wait a minute. You have just finished listening to another principle that is one of many that you will find in a special class that I have put together called the Marriage Repair Workshops and the Lazarus Lectures. This is a compilation of principles that I have pulled from my Years of training, study, and therapeutic experience designed to give you the tools, the vision, the ideas, everything that is necessary to take a relationship that has experienced catastrophic levels of unpleasantness and falling apart and rebuild it almost as if raising it from the dead. Please follow the links and attend at least one of our marriage repair workshops so that you can get a feel for what you will learn and get your attachment to the multimedia classroom that holds videos, audios, articles from me and several other specialists that we call the Lazarus Lectures a 40 lesson series building from one principle to another so that you can discover what is necessary to pull off a miracle in your relationship. I hope you'll find great value in this. I hope those of you who find yourselves unable to afford the thousands of dollars necessary to attend a marriage therapist especially one that's really good and is not as available as we would like therapists to be, please, please study this material in the Lazarus Lectures and attend the Marriage Repair Workshops so that we can help you get things back to the way you want them. We'll see you then.